Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor and it's a joy to be with you all today. If you're joining us online, I want to say a special word of welcome to you as well. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus. And my hope for you this day is that you feel renewed by belonging and connecting to that life found in Christ. Right now, I want to say a word of prayer uh, for you and ask God to bless you as we continue to worship God this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this day. I pray that your spirit is blessed in our presence. That as we sing and as we pray and as we journey to you, your spirit receives blessing. And I also ask You, O God, that You open the hearts of each of Your children, of all who hear and all who listen and all who participate, that You open each heart ready to receive life-changing miracles from You. Miracles of new hopes and dreams and possibilities. Make a way, O God, make a way, and may Your Spirit break through. Amen. I uh, have a confession to make, and it shouldn't be that surprising, I guess, but I, uh, realizing as I have a bunch of kids around my house that, that my age is beginning to show as I have gray hairs part, picking through in my beard and, and in my hair, and it's to the point where you probably shouldn't start plucking them out because it can start showing bald spots. Um, the hair keeps growing, though, so I have that over my own father, and so I'm thankful for that. But I, uh, in the midst of that, um, I am um, the last age, I believe that I'm about the last age of, of people who remember what life was like before social media. And uh, I remember when I was in college is when Facebook came out. And so I, I, my heart goes out to all of our young people that are having to deal with, with social media in the midst of, of like middle school and high school and the pressures that that, um, that, that really has plays on you. Because it wasn't until I got to college that, that Facebook was a thing. And really, when it became a thing, I could, care, I could have cared less about it. Um, when, it, when, it first, when it first launched, it, uh, well, there was no news feed. There was no real way of engaging with people except going to their profiles and like writing things on their walls. And, and, and you don't even do that anymore. Um, and, and to be honest, I didn't even sign myself up for Facebook uh, when Facebook began, you had to be in college to be on Facebook, so it kept all of our parents out, but it also kept our peers out who weren't in college. And so there, I was working at this place, and there was this girl that I was working with, and she was a, a, like three years older than me. She wasn't in college, but she wanted to be on Facebook so she could spy on her friends. I really think it was her ex-boyfriend. And so she used my email address to sign up for Facebook. And my very, so my very first encounter with Facebook was through this girl who I was peer pressured in to let her, you know, we would call that identity theft today probably, but um, it, was, it was an 18-year-old boy who was, you know, whatever. And, and she, she took control of that, that Facebook account, and people would even send me messages or do the things that you did on, on, on social media at the time, and I never got them and I never really cared to get them uh, until eventually she told me I had to change the password because she was getting addicted to like sucking in and looking at all these people that that was just kind of going through her her brain and and messing up her day. Today of course 
things on social media are, are so different. Uh, you, you still can, you know, there's still Facebook still around, but most of our young people aren't engaged with Facebook because that's where the rest of you are. That's where, that's where the old people are on Facebook. And even if our young people have Facebook accounts, they're just kind of there so they can sign into things, perhaps, or there so they could also have Instagram. And even Instagram at this point, I think, is for, for old people. Uh, but but there has been others, other, of course, social media platforms that have come and gone. I mean, some are still around, Twitter, Snapchat, and of course right now, TikTok is having its day in the sun, and there are plenty of others. And the thing about, the thing about all of this, or at least most of these social media platforms, is that they are designed first to sell you things, and than to sell your data, but they're designed first to sell you things, and they're designed secondly to help people use them to display themselves to the world. So they're designed to sell you and also to help you brand yourself so that you can sell yourself to others. I remember in the early days of Facebook that it was a status symbol for the number of friends that you had on your account. So the people with the most friends were like highly respected. I did not have the most friends um, because I had like this shadow account run by somebody else. I'm sure that was the only reason. But but I you know I didn't have the most friends. But but it was that was the status symbol in in the early 2000s. And today it's about likes and views and reactions and engagement on the platform. And and many people have figured out what it takes. To get popular, and and they do this uh, one because it probably feels good to get traction. I mean, when people like you, but also there is money involved, and sometimes, and for those that are the most popular, there's like really big money involved in a lot of this. And so people begin to create images, and they begin to create content that they think other people are going to like, regardless of if it's authentically about them. So I may create things that, that, that I think people are going to like regardless of if it's really me or not because I think it's going to get traction. It used to be, um, and people would make fun of, of my generation about this, it used to be people would, would post, you know, oh, I'm, I'm eating lunch, yum, yum, like, or something like that, or turkey sandwich for lunch. And then older people would make fun of us for posting this type of stuff on Facebook, but now you would never just say, I'm eating lunch, because the only way you would do it is if you would go to the restaurant that presents food in the most a picture or video worthy way and then you would have to get the perfect picture that is going to then be shared because it's the the best looking whatever the case may be it's like those restaurants that have the milkshakes that were trending a few years ago that have you know milkshakes that are 6 miles high with with like hamburgers and hot dogs and twinkies and and chocolate cake laying off of them uh, I think I'm getting the Bloody Mary ones mixed up with the, with the, with the milkshake ones, but you get the idea. Like, like these pictures, that, that, that this food that is designed to take pictures of so that people can share them in a way that gets traction. And there are so many stories. I mean, you can't believe, especially our young people, you can't believe what people share about this because there's so many stories of people who, who have faked trips and fake experiences and fake owning those flashy cars. All you have to do is find a Maserati and take a picture beside it and say, this is my new ride, and people online assume that it's yours. 
Because this type of content makes them popular and hopefully in their minds helps to make money. But here's the thing in in all of this. So much of it is a facade. So much of it is just a facade. And so what ends up happening is people, young people, old people, whatever, people see the way other people are living or the way way they think other people are living and they begin to judge themselves versus the way other people are living and, and, and they're really not even living that way. But so much of it is just a facade. I, I open up, if I open up my Instagram or my Facebook account, and I sh- I, the way I show approval of things is on Facebook, I'll click the like button or some other reaction. And then on Instagram, I click the heart button, which is, you know, the love button. You show that you love something by clicking a button. You indicate love and admiration for something by clicking a button, by sharing, by following. But most of the things you are loving, I am loving in the midst of this, are just a facade. Things that were designed and created to make you have that reaction, to make you you click the button, to hit share, to hit love. You and I live in a world where love is so often just a facade. You're asked to express it online, and it gets sold, and it gets commodified. Uh, we, it, it, it's in this type of world of, of love or a facade of love. It, it's, you know, it, it's always fleeting. Love is always fleeting. It's on the next horizon, something you need to purchase, something you need to share. If you're if, if your material, especially online, doesn't keep getting you noticed, that one video that went viral, that one reel that went, went viral that's based on outward appearances, it's not going to keep up eventually. And, and you have to, it creates anxiety and worry inside of you that you're not going to be able to perform to the next level, that the income won't be there or you won't be able to monetize things. And for some of you, this is language that you don't understand, but I think you can get the idea of trying to keep up with things that just aren't there in the end. Trying to figure out who you really are to show the world something that just isn't. In our world, love gets presented in a way that is transactional and transitory where you can only be a visitor to the facade of love. It doesn't last. Thankfully, thankfully, as a visitor in this facade of love, you know, this is not the only way of living. In fact, in fact, we are in the message series where, where I have been inviting you and I'm inviting you to grow closer and closer, not to a facade of love and relationship and life, but closer and closer to a true relationship with God, a true relationship with others, and a true love for God and yourself. And when you draw close to God, the the life of facade, the facade of love, can begin to give way to to a way of living that really is true love and really presents true, real life. So this guy named John wrote about a a time when Jesus was was living. And and, and this, this writing of John is found in the Bible. It's the first we call it the New Testament, so it's one of the first four books of the New Testament. And John, he's this guy who spent about three years 
walking around and living with Jesus and being in ministry with Jesus as, as Jesus walked through the region of Palestine about 2,000 years ago. And as Jesus was doing this, what He was doing was presenting people real life, true life, true love. He was showing them how, how God wanted them to live. He healed people. He, he, he freed people from bondage. He offered a way of living that was different from the stress and the anxieties of the world. Jesus' time doing this work, it ended abruptly. It ended abruptly because the powers that be didn't like Him, and they ended up killing Him. Well, before Jesus was arrested and before He met this end by the powers that be, He spent some time encouraging and teaching His closest followers. He had changed their lives, you see, and, and He had connected them to, to, to a, a way of life and love that he, he wanted for them. He wanted them to keep. And, and at this time, when Jesus knew that He would be leaving them to meet His end, He was concerned that those closest to Him would forget about it. He was concerned that those closest to Him would lose this new life that, that, that God gave them once He was gone. I think Jesus is concerned that, that they would just go back to their old way of living. Kind of like if you go on a really great vacation and you enjoy it and you're like, this is going to change my life forever and as soon as I get home, I'm going to book the next one and, and then you get back and you get back to work and you realize you can't book the next one, you can't pay for the next one or you have child, children at home or whatever the case may be. Uh, and, and then that vacation that you hope to continue to take, it, it becomes a memory and you just get back to the way of living that you've always done. The good times were good, but those were in the past. And so Jesus wants to make sure that this fading of the good times doesn't happen to His followers. And as He's talking with them, He reminds them that God, that God offers a way of living that is true. That is really, really true. And John was with Jesus when he was talking with them, and, and this is what Jesus, he records Jesus saying in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, where Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus reminds them that they are connected to Jesus. Jesus reminds them that they are connected to Jesus, that their time with Jesus is, is not a transitory as a nice vacation or, or, or transitory as the facade of love that the world displays. Jesus reminds them that, that He has lived a life of love, a life of true love, and He says to them, if you have ever loved, I mean, this is, this is on his deathbed, basically. And he says, you know, friends, if you have ever loved me, I want you now to embrace the way of true love in your own life. This is what Jesus was talking about when he says, keep my commandments. When you hear the word commandments, I mean, the first thing that pops into my head are rules and regulations. You know, don't speed down the highway. Don't steal from your neighbor. Don't drink and drive. Don't do this. Do this. These are, are very specific rules and regulations. And this is what comes into my mind when I think about commandments. But Jesus had already told them what His commandments were. And another one of Jesus' followers, a guy by, by Matthew, was listening to this, and Matthew recorded basically what Jesus' commandment was in Matthew chapter 22, where, where Jesus is recorded as saying, you must love 
the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, your being, and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like this. You must love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus told his followers, I have two commandments. Love God and love neighbor. Love God and love other people. So when Jesus says, if you have ever loved me, you will keep my commandments, what he's really saying is if you have ever loved me, if you love me, if you love me, you will love like me. If you love me, you will love like me. You will love God with your whole being and you will love other people. In our culture's facade of love, we have this idea that love is something you can earn by likes. I mean, in countless movies and literary tropes, you, you always fall in love, right? You can, and, and if you fall in love, you can easily fall out of love. Falling in love and falling out of love, these are things that romantic comedies are based around, that literary tropes for our generations have been based around. But if you've ever been married, if you've been married especially for any length of time, you know that it is really easy to fall in love. It is really easy to fall in love, but keeping a marriage together takes more than just love. It takes more than just falling in love. In fact, love as an emotion, it isn't even something you can command. So this makes what Jesus says here a bit difficult. You know, if you live by culture's facade of love, you may may be thinking, you know, you can't make me love God. I mean, Jesus says to command me, you can't and keep my commandments, but if, if commandments are based around an emotion like love, you can't make me love God. You can't make me love someone else. I, if I don't feel love towards them, how could I even love them? But I want you to understand today that, that when you think about love, especially when you think about love in the Bible and the way that Jesus is talking about love, love is not an emotion here. The Bible thinks and talks about love in a different way. You see, of course the people in the Bible thought about love as an emotion. I mean, they are human after all. But the emotional type of love is not the primary sense of love that you find in the Bible. When Jesus is talking about love, He isn't talking about emotion. But He's really talking about living your life for others. Jesus isn't talking about emotion. He's talking about living your life for someone else. Living your life for someone else. So when you, when you read about love in the Bible, love in the Bible is deeply committed to ideas of solidarity and friendship and loyalty, being for someone else. The emotional facade of love in the world is transitory. But here Jesus says, you can live true love. And then Jesus tells them that He is going to give you true life and true love. And, and John keeps writing what Jesus has to say here down in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father and He will send another command, or companion who will be with you forever. And this companion is the Spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees Him nor recognizes Him You know Him because He lives with you and will be with you. Here, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. 
And, and if you aren't yet a Christian, I'll, I'll be the first to say that when Christians start talking about the Holy Spirit, sometimes it can be a little difficult to follow. But you see, Christians believe that God, in this idea of God, where God is Trinity, where God is one, but God is also three. God is three and God is also one. And we don't really understand how this all works, um, but we believe it as an article of faith. This is something that the church teaches so we have this, this one God and this God who is also three, what we call persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, so Jesus is, is Son, and Jesus is about to leave His followers, and He tells them, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm about to leave you. But someone who's like my brother, the Holy Spirit, is going to come. It's going to help you. And if you keep reading the Bible, you will find that after Jesus left His followers, God sent the Holy Spirit to be with His followers, to be their companion. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell Him here. He says, hey guys, if you've ever loved Me, you will love God, with, with, you will love God and you will love others. And I know that this type of work is hard, so the Holy Spirit is going to come and going to help you live life towards God, live love towards God and other people. The Holy Spirit, friends, gives you access to the true life and true love of God. You see, in Christianity, we have these things called creeds. And these are statements of faith that the church has agreed upon capture what, what, what the church teaches these are ancient statements of agreement about the teachings of the church. And one of these creeds is known as the Nicene Creed because it was comprised and written in the city of Nicaea. It's really original, like naming. But um, it, was, it, was, it was called the Nicene Creed, and it gives in detail the nature of what the Holy Spirit is and who the Holy Spirit is. It says, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. So the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. The one who comes to, to fill the followers of Jesus with true life and true love. And Jesus says, the world of facade can't receive this true life. It doesn't see it. It doesn't recognize the work of the Spirit. So the world is bound to continue living in angst and turmoil because of the facades that are built around you, and it can't see the work of the Spirit. Jesus knows that living the, the true life and true love of God, being deeply loyal and committed to God and others, it, it's a difficult task. And, and so He's telling them, He's telling you, that the Holy Spirit will guide you. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you are able to see the true life and true love of God. In studying about this this past week, I, I came across a classic commentator who wrote, this in a, wrote about this and I thought was a pretty simple way. He said the point of what Jesus is saying is, is that you can only see what you are fitted to see. You can only see what you are fitted to see. He says, you know, an astronomer will see far more in the sky than the ordinary man. I mean, I look up at the stars and I say, oh, those are pretty. But if you're an astronomer, you can see in detail the heavens. And he went on to say that someone who knows about art will see far more in a picture than someone who is quite ignorant about art. Someone who understands a little bit about music will get far more out of a symphony than someone who understands nothing. 
He goes on to say always what we see and experience depends on what we bring to the sight and experience. What you experience, what you see and experience depends on what you bring. In other words, if you are only living in the world with the facade of love, you don't have the right vision to see the true life. You don't have the right eyesight to see the true love that the Holy Spirit wants you, wants for you. And when you follow after the way of Jesus, the Holy Spirit kind of becomes like corrective lenses, glasses that, that you can place on your eyes or that are placed on your eyes to help you recognize the work of God inside you. The Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, gives you access to this world of love. It's through the Holy Spirit that you are granted access beyond the facade and into, into really the back room where true life and true love originates. The Holy Spirit lets you in on God's reality of true life and true love. This is powerful. But you and I also know that you can't fully escape the reality of this world. You can't escape the facade of, of love in our culture. And, and this was true for Jesus' first followers, and it is true today. I mean, it is true for followers of Jesus today as it was many, many years ago. For most followers of Jesus live, live between and connected to both the reality of this world and the hope of God to come. The hope of God's true life and true love. And at times, I know this causes struggle, like really big struggle for myself and for followers of Jesus. But what Jesus does is, is that He gives his, his followers access to a completely different way of living in the world. So even though you have to live in the world and you also live connected to the love of God, you, you are invited to participate in a different way of living. And this is a way of living that recognizes that followers of Jesus are just visitors. You're really, you're, if you follow after the way of Jesus, you're really just visitors to the facade of love. You see, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus says that His followers are citizens to the world of love and visitors in our culture of facade. And it's this in-between that can be difficult. And Jesus knew it would be difficult, so, so Jesus went on to, to offer His followers hope, and He says in verse 18, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you as orphans. If you are forced to navigate the space between our culture's reality and God's reality alone, I mean, this would be pretty isolating. This would be pretty difficult. It would be like being the only, the only kid in high school that doesn't have social media. Like, like all your friends are, are, are struggling and, and, and with all this kind of stuff and, and you feel sometimes like you're, you're left aside. It would be isolating and struggling. But, but Jesus promises, He says, you know, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone. Jesus continues to say that, that as you live the love of God and the love of others through the Holy Spirit, that I will come to you. In verse 19, Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Jesus says, I'm leaving. 
And the world won't see me, but because you have the glasses and the lenses, corrective lenses from the Holy Spirit, you will be able to still see me. And if you keep my commandments, now remember what his commandments are, right? Love God and love others. So if you keep my commandments, you will have access to this reality of true life and true love that I have for you. Jesus is reminding his followers that while being in between culture's reality and God's reality is difficult, Jesus has already shown them what living His commandments of love looks like. Jesus lived His whole ministry, His whole life, by living this commandments of, of loving God and loving other people. He lived them by feeding the hungry. He lived them by seeing and caring for people that society had discarded. He lived them by, by caring about women in a culture that thought of women as, as oftentimes only property. I mean, Jesus lived a life of love that where love was not just an emotion, but where love had hands and feet and confronted the facades of the world through service and compassion. And this is the type of love that Jesus invites you to share. This is the type of love that Jesus invites you to, to cast aside the facade of love found on social media and to act in love towards other people. And when you do this, when you live His command of love as Jesus, is, as Jesus commanded you to love, your life, your life becomes connected to the true life and true love of God. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You will live a life, live a life of love towards God and others. Another time Jesus was talking uh, with people about what it meant to, to love, to really live a life of love. And he shared a story about how there was this man who was traveling from, from one town to another town. He was beaten and left for dead. And, and several people passed him by. But one person who was really just a stranger stopped and cared for him. He invested in the lives and provided aid and helped this man make a full recovery. And as Jesus is talking, it becomes pretty clear that this guy who stopped and, and cared for this person who was broken and beaten was, was a guy who was really living a life full of love. Was living a life of love. This guy was the hands and feet of God's love. This guy was living a life of love towards God and other people. And then Jesus says to all who are listening, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I mean, that's ultimately the key. That's ultimately the key of unlocking the true life and true love of God in your life. Go and do likewise. Imitate the love that Jesus shows others. See the world through the eyes of the Holy Spirit as a place to share God's real, true, tangible love. A kind of love that, that breaks, breaks through the facade and really cares about others. And so that's really the last thing that I have to say to you, is go and do likewise. And as you do so, you open God's reality here in, in this place. And you, and you receive the presence and the love of Jesus, and likewise you share it through your love, through your presence, through your devotion, through your actions towards others. So today, today I want to give you and to suggest to you two kind of specific ways that you can go and do likewise. 
and to go and live a life of true love and to share it the same. The first is in our hands-on mission project. There's these orange sheets as you came in and by the refreshment stand, and this is available on, online through the links. And, and this is a way that you can share the real life and real love of God towards people around the world. This, we're creating food buckets that we're going to send to, to, to children in Zimbabwe as part of a mission project through the United Methodist Church. And it really only means adding about $30 worth of stuff to one of your grocery store trips and, and bringing that stuff to the church that we'll then package and, and send to bless the lives of, of people you may never meet, but people who God has, has invested in and people who God cares deeply about. And the other way that I want to lift up today is through investing in others. And, and, and last week, if you were with us last week, I shared with you this, this gray sheet that talks about investing in the lives of other people, volunteering to, to help the ministry of God to invest, really invest in the lives of others here at Kern Church. And many of you filled this out, and many of you completed it online. And, and I just you don't want to ask you, as I talked about especially our, our young people today, do you have a story that, that you want to invest in the life of someone else? You're not, when you sign up to, 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 to invest in the life of someone else, you're not signing up to, to, to teach Sunday school forever or to work in the nursery forever. You're not even teach, signing up to teach Sunday school. All you're doing is saying, you know, I've got something that I feel God is wanting me to connect with young people or to connect with other people in a special way. And I want to begin to have a conversation. So, so these are two specific ways, but I also realize, also realize that God may be putting on your heart another way for you to go and do likewise, to live and to share the true life and true love of God. And if that's the case, I just pray that God opens your heart, opens your heart, and brings you in. So if you want to um, drop one of these off today as the band comes back up to, to close us in song, please know that you can come forward and place this in the offering baskets up on the, on the, on the communion table. You can also fill this form out online to begin a conversation, to begin a conversation of how you want to invest and might be able to invest in other people's life, to share the true life and true love that God has give you, given you. Because Jesus just says, go and do likewise. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you. I thank you that the ways of, of the world are not your ways, that you offer true life and true hope that breaks through the anxieties and uncertainties of this world. I pray that each one has a heart that is open that hears this, that you will break through with the power of your Holy Spirit to create and give this life of true life and true love in their hearts, and that each one will think about how they can go and do likewise to invest in the lives of others to share your goodness for them. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. God does great things and invites you to live that true life and true love and to share it with others. May God bless you this day and always in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, or see entire services, you can visit our YouTube channel, Kern Memorial United Methodist Church, and remember to like and subscribe for updates. You can also visit us on our Facebook page, 
at Kern Memorial United Methodist Church. Thanks, and have a blessed day.